You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kashevitz, and this is our weekly look at the Chicago White Sox. I am joined by Scott Merkin, just ahead of his uh, physical examination. I was hoping we could do this podcast live, uh, you know, while you're being examined, Merk, but uh, I guess we'll just have to make this a preview instead of a review. Well, for sure, it's time to talk about next week's podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. So, uh, Jose Abreu, let's talk about Abreu. Obviously, we, we talked a bit last week um, when you guys were in Cleveland about, uh, you know, Abreu having a son along with him on the road and, and how nice that was for him. And it's interesting, Mark. I mean, there's a direct correlation between uh, young Daryl uh, being with this club and Abreu's performance taking off. I'm, I'm sure there's a, a comfort level there, but just in general, hitting uh, 366 with five home runs and 11 RBIs, seven multi-hit games in August. Uh, batting average has jumped about 14 points in that span. So uh, this is pretty, I mean, this is more like the Abreu you expected to see. Yeah, you know, I, I think a couple of things. First of all, it, it's a tremendous story. I mean, just w- one of the better stories of the year in a, in a year that's had some a good start and a bad middle and an up and down finish. I think also Jose is probably at the point where he's kind of feeling, okay, my son is here. It's great. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe the interviews can cut down on this now, but I thought it was a cool moment because when his son came over, he said, you know, came to the United States, he said that's what he wanted his dad to hit a home run. But he also pointed out yesterday that his son, you know, is five. So he's not exactly well-versed in every little, uh, he, I don't think he's a big, uh, FIP or war kid at this point. So he knows about the home run. So that's what he always wants his dad to hit. But I, I think that was a good story. And I think it does make a difference. Some people have you know, said to me, well, he hasn't been with his son since he's been over here. But remember, because of the um, Major League Goodwill trip or whatever you want to call it back in December, I believe, to Cuba, he did see his son then. And I'm guessing it's got to be very tough that, you know, it was tough to begin with. It was a tough situation to make this choice to come here and support his family and play Major League Baseball and, and kind of go for it. You know, he's talking to his son, he's FaceTiming with his son and, and being in contact with him. But then he sees him, and then he has to leave him behind. And, again, Jose hasn't addressed this specifically, but it's this cause-and-effect situation specifically. But I'm sure that made a difference. I'm sure, you know, now he's seen him, and now he has to leave him again, and that's even tougher. He did tell us yesterday when we talked to him that, you know, 100% he's playing better. because He feels better because his uh, – his son is around, and I think it started kind of when he found out that he was, his son was coming and had this five-year visa now where he could come and right. go when he wanted it. And I think also, you know, he didn't even need a translator for this. And one of the reporters asked him if this is the best time of his life, and he just smiled and said yes. There, there was no, no interpreter needed on that one. So, yeah, I think in general, you know, the funny thing is his numbers are not going to be that much off the last two years. It's just kind of when they needed him to step up in the situation and maybe drive in some runs and hit for some power. He didn't do it this year. People are acting like he's going to finish the year with a 220 average and 12 homers and 35 RBIs. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. He's still going to hit somewhere in the 270 to 290 range, somewhere around 20 home runs and 80 RBIs. And, yeah, it's not the first two years when he hit 30 and 100, but it's still going to be pretty good. And I, I still have no doubts this is a, a key contributor for the White Sox moving forward. Well, another key contributor, and, and this guy's numbers uh, have trended in the right direction from a win standpoint, is Jose Quintana, uh, who, of course, famously had number one uh, double-digit victories. And, again, Merck, we know it, it's not the be-all, end-all stat when it comes to pitchers, but, geez, I mean, it really stood out for Quintana because he's been so good uh, for several years now. 58 no decisions since t- 2012, so that obviously contributed to uh, not, not uh, being able to top nine wins. 
And uh, this season, too, I mean, he's only getting about 3.3 runs of support on average. Um, so it meant a lot to him uh, to get that 10th win over the weekend. Yeah, you know, I know the Sabermetricians uh, are not a fan of the win at all. And I think if you ever wanted an example of why the win statistic is, is does not have value, it is Jose Quintana. You know, the fact that he's just gotten to 10 wins. But I'll tell you what, it means something to the pitchers. It really does. Now, again, I think team wins, I know team wins mean more to the pitchers. I know Chris Sale has joked that if he finishes the year 1-0 and and his team, you know, goes – 22 and 12 in his starts, he's fine by that. So that's ultimately the biggest stat. But these wins mean something to them. And and you know Jose Quintana wasn't celebrating as Frazier said like a like a kid yesterday afterwards because it was just Sunday and they had today off or they had Monday off. It was just, it was because he finally got to that 10 win total. And you know he's had you know lack of support. He's had some bullpen woes, but you know blow games behind him. But he did it yesterday. They finished it off. And now without a little fear, uh, Pinter, the the rookie who I think just got called up by the um, by the A's, hit one off Robertson that was caught about two feet from the wall by J.P. Shuck and center. That would have tied the game. So I'm sure he he kind of exhaled after that one. But yeah, I mean Jose Quintana should should be having should be winning 15 games a year with the way he pitches. But it's a good moment for a kid who I think is about as popular as anyone I've ever seen in the White Sox clubhouse. And really, it was almost instantly from when he arrived in 2012. I'm talking the young players and the Paul Canerco's and Adam Dunn's alike just really took to this kid because he goes out and does his business, doesn't complain, doesn't make excuses, just gets the job done and takes what's, you know, what's kind of given to him and works harder to get better. And really, you know, a, a highly thought of kid by the whole organization and has earned it, has definitely earned it. Yeah, and of course, uh, Quintana uh, is in the mix of that uh deep and complicated American League Cy Young conversation, actually has a better adjusted ERA, uh, you know, kind of significantly better than that of Chris Sale. So they're both in that conversation for sure. Yeah, that, uh, but, the AL Cy Young race is going to be an interesting, wasn't it? I mean, to the point yeah. where, and nothing against relievers, but where Zach Britton, who's had a phenomenal right. year for Baltimore, seems to be getting a little bit of a attention where you don't always see relievers get a lot of attention in the Cy Young voting. Yeah, it's it's definitely a strange year. You just hope somebody can uh, separate themselves these last six weeks, uh, make it easier on the voters. But uh, uh, elsewhere in the rotation, Carlos Rodon uh, is really good in August. He's got uh, two ERA, two even, uh, four in runs on 16 hits and 18 innings. This is a big step in the right direction for this young man. It's interesting. I I think it's nothing more scientific than he just got kind of angry with himself and what was going on and just kind of pushed himself that next step. It was at that ball, I believe it was a start against Baltimore. It was a Saturday night. And the first two guys got on base with a like an infield chopper that wasn't fielded and then a blooper that just fell between second base and right field. And the next hitter, which I believe was Manny Machado, I think Quintana, or I'm sorry, Rodon, we're out of Rodon now, hit 100 miles an hour and then hit 99, 98. And we knew it was there for him, but you don't see that a lot from him. And I think he just kind of reared back and went after it and, He's been excellent since then. And, you know, trust me, it's been an up-and-down year. And here's an example of wins-losses. You know, Rodon says he's out there to win. And his record, which I believe is 3-8, and eight, something something in that area right now, is not satisfying to him. And he, he knows he can get better. But I, I trust me when I say he is one of the core guys on this team. If, if Even if you're talking rebuild, it's a pretty sure bet, close to, I'd say, 90 to 95% that Carlos Rodon will be part of this team moving forward, whether it's rebuild or going forward or – Again, somewhere in between, which would make Sox fans very happy. But, you know, he's got the stuff. He's got the mentality. He's an intense competitor. And I think he's starting to figure out. And people need to realize that, you know, 
he's just a little over, even though he's been there kind of almost two full seasons, he's just a little bit over one year as a starter, like 41 or 42 career starts. So still well into the learning process. But the fact that he's throwing strikes and attacking the zone and doing it with, you know, a little extra velocity, a little extra push at this point of the season, although he did miss some time, you know, due to injury, is a good sign for the White Sox and a good sign for Rodon. And you juxtapose what Rodon has done this month against what James Shields has done this month. Uh, 7.36 ERA, 27 earned runs on 33 hits in 14 innings. Uh, it just went backwards again for Shields. I know you talked to Don Cooper recently about Shields and, and what it's going to take to uh, to right the ship, so to speak, uh, really to, for the White Sox perspective, just to extract some value out of this guy moving forward. What does he have to say about that? Yeah, you know, the, the thing with Shields is this is not the James Shields who was the, you know, World Series starter for the Tampa Bay Rays or the All-Star or the Cy Young contender. And this is a guy who's, you know, doesn't have the, the, the same stuff that he did. Well, who does, you know, 11, 12 years into your career. So he just, you know, he can't, he's got to work the zone better and he's making too many mistakes. And, you know, that game Friday against Oakland coming off a really tough loss in Cleveland. And actually, although it finished four and five, a pretty well-played road trip to Kansas City, Miami, and Cleveland who are all, you know, playoff contenders at this point. That was about as bad a loss they've had this season because Kendall Graveman just completely shut the offense down and Shields just got, you know, just lit up. He, he gave up three home runs that are still showing now. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pile on, but, you know, he needs to be better in the zone and he's, you know, willing to work at it, obviously, and, and going after it. And, you know, Don Cooper, I mean, I guess really can't answer any other way when you have the guy for two years. But Don Cooper, I can tell when he's kind of pushing it a little bit and really being honest at this point, having covered him for so long. And, he believes that Shields can help this team. And, and that's the one thing. Like, you know, I, I think when they traded Shields they, for Shields, they got rid of Eric Johnson, who just was not going to fit in with the White Sox in the rotation in the bullpen. They got rid of Fernando Tatis Jr., who was highly thought of, up-and-coming player, but very young. So you have no idea where you're going to get there. So it was a good move either way there. They, and they didn't envision him being the number one guy. He was going to be a three or four starter for this team in the rotation. But the thing is, you do have, barring him opting out after this year, which he can, and I, I you know, would doubt at this point he will, you do have, you're on the hook for, what, another $20 million over the next two years. So you got to figure it out with him. You know, you got to let him keep going. I, I think in other situations, maybe you might, you know, think of skipping him a start or something like that. But right now, you know, on the fringe of the fringe of the fringe of contending, pretty much not contending right now, you got to let him figure it out because you're going to need him for the next couple of years because I'm not sure what his, trade value will be even in the offseason, even if he finishes strong. All right. There you have it. The latest from Scott Merkin. He's going to go turn his head and cough and uh, find out if he's in the best shape of his life. We will check in on that next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.